There is power in remembrance and knowing what Jesus did for you with his flesh. for remember me thank you for joining us for brothers of the word because brother you need the word <laughs> tonight want to speak from the subject of remember me remember me you know there is power in remembrance so much power in remembrance You know, sometimes, whether it's a very happy moment or a traumatic moment, certain things can happen to trigger a memory. And when you begin to remember an event or a moment, you can recall the sights, the sounds, the feelings, sometimes the smells. You can, it's like you're transporting yourself back into the past. Your body's still in the same place, but your mind has gone back to that moment. With whether it's the birth of a child. I remember the birth of my children, especially my daughter. Yes, I remember that. I was there. I was there. <laughs> Glory to the Lamb of God. I was there. My wife was present too. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yes, she was doing all the heavy lifting, but I was there. And I remember the moment setting eyes on my daughter for the first time. Oh, how wonderful. And I remember my wife, she had to have a C-section, and so she was shivering there because of the medication they were putting in her, and I felt like I was about to faint and fall out, (laughs) you know. Whoa, it was a very traumatic experience, but it was a wonderful experience. Remember, some things are ingrained in our thinking. We can recall them, and we can relive that moment over and over and over again. Well, it's the will of God that we also remember. And when we remember, it brings us power. It brings us clarity. It brings us focus. And there is something that Jesus told us to always remember. Let's look at it. Let's go for a few moments to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. You know this very well as it speaks about the Holy Communion. I want to show you some things tonight that maybe you had not considered before. And that when we're done tonight, I pray that the next time you receive communion, you'll see it in a totally different light or you'll see it refreshed and understand these truths that God's about to give you. Before we talk about the communion in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, let's talk about what happened the very night in which Jesus was betrayed at the Last Supper, right? This was a Passover meal, a Passover celebration. So they were celebrating the Passover, and Jesus was identifying himself as being the Passover lamb. It's me. The lamb in Exodus was prophesying that prophesying or foreshadowing what Jesus would do. This was a Passover meal. Well, let's go back to Exodus just for a moment, not in the scripture, but you can do it later when you get home. Let's just flow with me, okay? So there they are the last night there in Egypt. And the Lord had said to them, this is your final night here. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to set you free from this house of bondage, from this house of slavery, from a type. Egypt was a type of the world, right? He was going to deliver them out, deliver his people out of the world. He was going to save them. And what symbols did he give them to observe? He gave them the body and the blood of the lamb. He said, you're going to eat the flesh of the lamb. 
and you're going to apply his blood, his blood to the doorposts and side posts of the home, the body and blood of the lamb. I will deliver you through the power of the body and blood of the lamb. Those two things. So as the Lord delivers him, and of course, the Lord said, when I see the sign of the blood, when that death angel comes through the land, it will pass over your house and you will be saved because of the body and the blood of the lamb. Your life, your family, your home will be saved. And so that night passed. And as they go and they journey now into the wilderness, they said, we're hungry. Or what does God give them? He gives them manna manna that heavenly food but what are we going to drink he brings them water out of rocks out of the rock water in the desert is life so this was the water of life coming to them in the desert so once again we see in the book of leviticus the 16th chapter says that the life of the body is in the blood if you see the blood there is life the life of the body is in the blood so in the wilderness they have the bread of heaven the manna They have the life of the rock. Who is that rock? That rock is Christ. They have the life of Christ. And so we see these pictures again. We see the body. And Jesus, of course, says in the New Testament, he said, your fathers didn't eat that manna, but he said, I am that manna. I am the true bread from heaven. I am the true manna. And he gave his body and he said, my body is meat indeed. My flesh is meat indeed. My blood is drink indeed. He continues with these pictures all throughout out the flesh and the blood the flesh and the life and so as now as we go back to first corinthians 11 chapter the bible says here and you you can read the whole thing when you get home if you like now the church of course has gone through the birthing period the day of pentecost and the apostles the lord sends them out but then they begin to get i love this word little cattywampus I like that word, catty, catty wants. They begin to get out of focus here as they begin to receive communion. And so Paul has to correct them and says, hey, let me, he said, I would like to praise you, but I can't. I hear that some of you are coming to the church when you're coming together and you are getting drunk on the communion wine. You're getting drunk there and you are peeking out on the bread. He said, what, don't you have houses to eat in? What are you guys doing? Or do you despise the Lord? What are you doing? doing there so he has to correct some things and in his correction this is where we're going to begin to start here so come on with me just for a few moments so first corinthians 11 chapter and let's start at verse number 23 first corinthians 11 23 and it says for i have received of the lord that which also i delivered unto you that the lord jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me now notice before the children of israel could leave egypt they had to eat eat and apply the blood in the wilderness to survive they had to eat and now drink the water of life that came out of the rock so the lord as he establishes his church on the last night the lord's supper his last lesson so to speak that he's teaching his disciples he's giving them a diet you're going to remember what i did and we'll go further you're going to eat of this diet i'm giving you a diet you're going to live off of my flesh and you're going to live off of my blood He said, my flesh is meat indeed. And who is Jesus? What is his flesh? The Bible says in the book of John, you know this, that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God, right? The same was in the beginning with God. And it says that the word became flesh. So when we eat of his word, you're actually receiving communion. 
But not only just the eating of the word from Genesis to Revelation, this is a very particular word. You're actually dining on the knowledge of what Jesus has done for you. He said, take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember what I did for you. Recall to memory what I did for you. And we're going to look at that a little bit in the book of Isaiah. In verse 25, he says, after the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Call it to remembrance. In many places today, when we have taken communion, it's like more of a ritual. It's something that we do on the first Sunday or maybe just on Easter or maybe just on critical times of the year. Many places only observe communion only once a year or every once in a while. But if we observe the early church, they would go from house to house breaking bread. So this was something that was done on a regular basis. Jesus said, remember what I did for you. Remember how I suffered for you. Remember how I bled for you. Remember what I did. There is power in remembrance. He says, you will eat this diet. Not only will you receive the grape juice and the wafer or the cracker. Yes, that is a part of it. Praise the Lord. But the remembrance of it is to go with you every single day of your life. As you remember, call to remembrance. Let yourself go into the scripture and receive what he's doing. Feel what he is feeling. Embrace his suffering. He said, remember what I did for you remember you see because understanding what jesus did with his flesh brings you life it brings you peace and it brings you hope let's finish this oh my goodness and then we're gonna go my goodness this is so good i want to jump <sighs> telling you i love the word of god i want to jump and sometimes i want to shake my leg feel free to shake your leg hallelujah Mm. All right, let's go. We saw verse 26. No, verse 26 says, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show or proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You're showing or declaring what Jesus did for you. Not only what he did for you upon the cross, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, you are showing, you are remembering what he did. There is power in remembrance and knowing what Jesus did for you with his flesh. Now, one thing as well, if you look at the Old Testament pictures of what Jesus would do, how he would be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, every sacrifice in the Old Testament always ended in fire. They didn't just kill the sacrifice and then find a hole and dig a hole and bury it. All of it ended in fire from the shedding of blood for, let me go this way, to finding a lamb or sacrifice that had no spot, no blemish. Let's back up even further. Let's back up even further. Why did they bring the sacrifice in the first place? Because the worshiper knew that he had sinned or she had sinned. And they would bring the sacrifice before the high priest. The high priest would then begin to examine the sacrifice. 
Now, when the worshiper brought the sacrifice to the high priest, the worshiper's righteousness was no longer examined. The high priest knew that he had sinned. That's why they were there bringing the sacrifice. There's no point in the high priest saying, did you sin this week, last week? Did you drink again? Did you smoke a little blunt before you came? The priest didn't have to do all that. No, because it was the sacrifice that was examined. Is your sacrifice without spot, without wrinkle? The priest looked over the sacrifice. It wasn't a worshiper. It was a sacrifice. It's not your goodness. It's the sacrifice. It's Jesus, and he is the Lamb of God without spot or blemish. Once it's determined that this sacrifice is ready, is righteous, then the high priest would go, and they would humanely kill the sacrifice. They would sacrifice the animal, putting it upon the altar, shedding his blood, taking his blood and putting his blood upon the altar. And the blood of the lamb, the blood of the animal was the life of that animal. Blood for the worshiper. The blood was shed for the worshiper. It should have been the worshiper's blood. The worshiper should have died for the sin, but the animal died instead. The animal took on the sin of the individual, which is exactly what Jesus did for us. So the animal was then put upon the altar and it was burned. So when Jesus hung upon the cross, he would have to go into a fiery place to complete the picture of the Old Testament. The Bible talks about in the book of Revelation that man would have to go, those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life will be going into the second death, into the lake of fire, a fiery death. In order for Jesus, or a fiery existence, in order for Jesus to pay our full price, he would have to go where you and I would go. He would have to go where the most vile sinner would have to go in order to receive or pay the full price and penalty for the sin. Every sacrifice in the Old Testament always ended in fire. Jesus would then take our sins upon himself. The Bible says that he became our sin sacrifice, our propitiation. He became sin. He who knew no sin became sin, that we can become the righteousness of God in him. He took upon our sin. He took our sin upon himself. He hung upon the cross. And then after he died, he goes into the lower parts of the earth, burning our sins to ashes burning them away. That's why there's no more record or remembrance of your sin because Jesus has dealt with the sin totally and completely. He has taken them away. Now, I love the example the Lord gives also in the Old Testament on the Day of Atonement, how they take two goats. You know, one is for sacrifice and the other is going to be the scapegoat. The scapegoat. Well, that scapegoat will be the one the the priest would put his hands upon the goat and then they would tie a a red ribbon around that goat and somebody in the hands of the fit man, I believe, that somebody would take that goat and he would take him way out of camp and they would let him go. That goat would carry the sins of the people into a far place where it can never return. That's what Jesus did for us. That's what Jesus fulfilled. Not only was he the perfect sacrifice, but he was also the perfect scapegoat. He took on our sin upon himself. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that God laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all. He laid our sins upon him. That's what Jesus did for us with his flesh. And he says with his blood, his blood is sheer perfection. His blood actually sanctifies you. His blood makes you right before God. Let's look at this. My goodness, let's go. Let's go to Colossians for a moment. Here's another shake your leg moment. Ooh, 
my Jesus. Let's go to Colossians. We're going to go to Colossians. Colossians, the first chapter, and let's go to verse 19. Colossians 1, 19. Oh, my goodness. If it feel like you got ants in your pants, I'm telling you, my goodness, the word of God is so good. That's why I said, remember what I did for you. Remember my flesh. Remember my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Keep doing this until I come. Remember what I did. Look at Colossians 1. Colossians 1 verse 19, it says, For it pleased the Father that in him, that is in Jesus, should all fullness dwell. And having made peace... Through the blood of his cross. Oh, we got to stop right there for a moment. Woo-hoo-hoo, my goodness. He made peace. Jesus' blood made you have peace with God. Jesus made peace with God. That is, God is not mad at you. Hallelujah. Remember, even in Isaiah 53, the Bible says that the punishment or the chastisement in King James language, the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes or with his stripes you are healed. Chastisement means punishment. Jesus was punished so that you could have peace with God. So never ever say, oh God, I'm not sure if you hear me because I did this or that. Remember what Jesus did. He was punished so that you could have peace with God, eternal peace with God. That means that when you pray, the Father is always glad to see you. That means he's always glad you're here. Hallelujah. He says, hey, good to see you. He's always glad to hear your prayers because of what Jesus has done. But here comes the devil. Oh, God's not going to hear me because I did this and that and the other. That's someone who doesn't remember what Jesus did. He said, I want you to live on a diet. This is your diet. As the children of Israel walked out of Egypt, as they were now saved, so to speak, and they're walking out and they're eating this diet. You are to live with the same diet as you go through your wilderness and go into your promised land, eating of the flesh of the lamb and drinking his blood, remembering what he did, always remembering what he did. Because we're living in a society today that's always telling you you're not good enough and you're not worthy. You're not going to make it. You did this and you did that. Always accusing you. The devil is always accusing you. Well, he is the accuser of the brethren. But when you put him in remembrance, no, Jesus has done this for me. And by his blood, I am sanctified. You're not sanctified by your good works because you read your Bible or because you go to church. The blood has sanctified you. Glory to God. It is his sacrifice, his perfect sacrifice on the perfect day that sanctified you. Glory to God. When Jesus presented his own blood, not the high priest back in the old day, Jesus is our high priest, and he presented his own blood before the Father. Perfect, perfect sacrifice to cover an imperfect people, making an imperfect people perfect because of what he's done. Glory to God Almighty. Don't you ever think that God is not pleased with you or that he doesn't like you? Don't you know what he's invested in you? There was an auctioneer, you know, a couple, and that's where, my goodness, closing there's a couple that went to an auction and they saw an old car. It was really like a little rust bucket. And they said, somebody, that's not worth anything. The auctioneer heard it and he said, no, you don't understand. The value of something is determined by how much somebody's willing to pay for it. And so when that old rust bucket went up on the scale in the auction block, that thing went, people said, I'll give you a thousand, I'll give you 10,000. Went all the way up to a million. How much 
are you worth? How much is one drop of the blood of Jesus worth? Can you put a value on it? How much was the life of God worth? Because that's how he redeemed you. That was the purchase price to redeem you. It wasn't gold or silver. It was the life of God, the Lamb of God, his sacrifice, his torment upon the cross, the agony of his soul to redeem you, to buy you back. That was the purchase price. God purchased you. You've been purchased by the blood of Jesus, so therefore your value is limitless. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that you're less than. You are loved beyond measure. So the Lord says, remember, remember. Thank you for joining us for Brothers of the Word. Because brother, you need the word. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, Remember Me, by Mark Stroud. This message is number 6631. That's 6631. To listen to over a thousand free messages or to send this message number 6631 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. Brothers of the word.